Okay, all right, so let's be at uh, our, our uh, lesson at hand. Here are a couple of uh, quotations I wanted to read to you for, from uh, C.S. Lewis. I see um, somebody made copies, um, which is great. I, I thank whoever did that. So you may ask, well, why do you have the screen here? is because uh, I, I didn't make copies. So I was gonna do it on the screen and start utilizing the screen uh, here for us uh, to uh, do a couple lessons because I'm probably gonna, our next topic of study, it's what? Yeah, if you can see it and all that, the next topic I think we'll do Proverbs and uh, I might do some more, uh, use the screen uh, some with that lesson. Okay, but you do have the text in front of you and here are a couple of quotations from C.S. Lewis. Uh, that I thought were quite, quite good and perhaps for us to, to consider. And I guess I could. Well, anyway, from this, from this text, The Weight of Glory, it may be possible for each person to think too much of his own potential glory hereafter. It is hardly possible for him to think too often or too deeply about the glory of his neighbor. The load or weight or burden of my neighbor's glory should be laid daily on my back, a load so heavy that only humility can carry it, and the backs of the proud will be broken. This is one quotation from this movie that I mentioned in the newsletter this month, The Most Reluctant Convert that as I'm watching the movie, I heard this quotation and thought it was fantastic. The load, the load of my neighbor's glory should daily be laid on my back, but it is a load so heavy that only humility can carry it. But the backs of the proud will be broken. I think that's quite, quite good. Another one. <clears throat> and this is related to the one I do have in the newsletter. In light of the overwhelming possibilities of the awe of the afterlife, it is with the awe and the circumspection proper to them that we should conduct all our dealings with one another, all friendships, all loves, all play, all politics. There are no ordinary people. You've never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal, and their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. But it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. Next to the blessed sacrament itself, your neighbor is the holiest object presented to your senses. How about that? Right? And you obviously can tell C.S. Lewis in mentioning this. He says, next to the sacrament, C.S. Lewis has great respect for the Lord's Supper. And it's refreshing to read that and to hear that. He says, next to the Lord's Supper, your neighbor is the holiest object presented to your senses. Okay, so on to our text today, the, the, the newsletter written there before you. There are no ordinary people. In May... Our high school-aged youth went to a combined youth event with the youth of Lord of Life Plano. They hosted us for an evening of nine square in the air. If you've never played that game, it's a combination of volleyball and four square. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it's as easy as pickleball, right, youth, right? 
Yeah, nine square in the air, is it as easy as pickleball? If you can play pickleball, you can do nine square in the air. We watched a movie about the conversion of C.S. Lewis. Clive Staples Lewis is known for his defending the Christian faith and writing compelling stories based on the themes of Christianity. Most notable is his Narnia series. Lewis also is well known for the screw tape letters, where a demon and a lesser rookie demon converse about how to tempt Christians and draw them from the faith. All of Lewis's works are well worth your time. The reason we did this gathering with youth was because this summer at Higher Things, the theme will be beyond reasonable doubt. The conference will focus on how we are to defend the Christian faith. What are some ways we can be equipped to give a faithful witness to our Lord and what He's done and said? What are some of the most pressing questions that atheists and unbelievers are asking? The church knows and confesses that no matter how winsome we might be, or how clever we can be, or how cool the programs we have at church are, ultimately, conversion to the faith is solely the work of the Holy Spirit through the means of grace. Here are a few verses that show this. So here are a few verses that teach us about uh, conversion to the faith. In particular, John 15, 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you. 1 Corinthians 12, 3. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. John 6, 65, Jesus said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, By grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. 1 Corinthians 2, 14, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Lewis made an excellent point regarding this topic in the movie on his life. There are no ordinary people. You've never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, that's the quotation I just read to you. It is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. Immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. This does not mean that we are to be perpetually solemn. We must play. But our merriment must be of that kind, and it is, in fact, the merriest kind, which exists between people who have, from the outset, taken each other seriously. No flippancy, no superiority, no presumption. Lewis recognizes that when it comes to spreading the faith or growing the church, we must reach people with the tools that God uses to convert, namely, spiritual things. We're not dealing with mere mortals, but immortals who have a much deeper existence and need than mere earthly vanities. Because we can relate to people in earthly, non-spiritual things, jokes, work, marriage, etc., we can have amazing programs, church buildings that are the envy of every church in Fairview. We can hire a pastor who tells great stories in his sermons and doesn't mistake the creeds in the middle of the service. <laughs> I really wanted you all to say the Apostles' Creed. I don't know why. As I'm sitting there, I'm like, man, I just preached about how the church arrested Jeremiah. I'm like, man, they're going to they're gonna kick me out. Oh, thank you. That's what I long to hear. Or have a church council that's efficient and never disagrees or argues. But if we as a church 
are not first and foremost prioritizing the things of the Holy Spirit, word and sacrament, then people will be coming to our church for the wrong reasons. So this is, you know, just as, I, as we saw this movie and I was contemplating that, you know, and even as we're talking about the future of our church and the, you know, having a future plan, not when it's going to be executed, not that we have to, but at least having a, a future in mind, a goal to work toward, whatever that goal might be, it doesn't matter really if we are not first ourselves rejoicing in the word and sacrament because that's what we want people to come to our church for. We want them to come for eternal reasons. Now, I'm not saying those other things aren't important, but even when I first came here, when I came here, there was, you know, oh, we need people to come to our church. So for, why do you think, what do you think one of the reasons I heard? Why do we want people to come to our church? The very beginning. Some of you were here for that. A lot of the, we need people to pay the electric bill. We, we need people here so, to keep our church open. We could have done that, right? We can, we can bring people in. It's not that hard, right? Is it hard to get a group of people together? It can be, but I mean, do, how easy is it to get people to go to a football game with you? Pretty easy, pretty easy. If you, you have tickets to Cowboys game, I'm not saying I would go, but if you offered it to me, I wouldn't think twice. You know, your friends and family, if you, you know, it's not hard to get, to get a group of people together. And, and as a pastor and in the church, I can, I can say that. We have, we, I mean, look, you have, you, you know, you look around um, McKinney and uh, even Allen and Plano and you see stores, the parking lots are full, right? You offer people something they want, you can get them in. Churches, parking lots that are full that you don't hear the gospel in, right? It's not hard to get people to come in. If we want, our, if we want people to come in because we want their money, um, we can do all kinds of things. We can be a political organization. We can talk about... Uh, you know, how we are all of one political persuasion, right? And as you donate money to whatever political causes you like, we can ask people to donate to the church. But if we are not, like what C.S. Lewis, I, I thought it was a great connection. If we are not working first and prioritizing the things that God is calling people to his church, word and sacrament, if people come and we say, oh, we're glad you're here. We want you to help us build pastor an amazing office. We can try that. <laughs> I'm not saying we shouldn't try it. I'm just saying. Um, you know, we're, we're calling and asking people to come for the wrong reasons. Or, hey, come and whatever, right? And I'm not, I'm not saying all these things are bad. But what I am saying is as a church... We need to prioritize Christ's means of gathering sheep to himself. And so Lewis points this out. When we're dealing with people, you need to remember that as you are hopefully talking with somebody about the gospel, about the church you go to, that one, what should we be doing as we're contemplating um, 
you know, the gospel and what Jesus calls us to do and be witnesses to him. What, what should we be doing in the spreading of the gospel? What does that look like? What does it sound like? It's just playing out to keep eternity in mind that mm-hmm. it's not just this present stuff that we're doing. It has such long-term ramifications that these people are God's children and we're all going to be in eternity somewhere. No. Right? And when we see people, don't just look at them as dollar signs. Right? Uh, what else should we be doing? Serving in the community. Okay, yep. Serving, looking for opportunities in the community. Yep. Beginning where? In our own homes, our own families, our friends, our jobs. Um, what else as we meet people? What should we be doing for these people? Setting a good example. Setting a good example. Mm-hmm. Yep. Praying for them. Mm-hmm. Right? As we meet people, uh, or even as we have people who visit our church, right? People who come to our church that aren't part of our church, pray for them, right? And how will you know what, how how will you know what to pray for them? <laughs> Whoa! Now, B, that's crossing a line. That's that is crossing a line. I know, I know. It's everybody's worst nightmare. Yeah, talking to people, getting to know them, right? Not just not not going to them and saying, I'm going to tell you all about me, <laughs> right? right? But, but right, asking them questions about them and, and, uh, and being friendly, right? Inviting people, talking to one another, uh, inviting to, to meals or events or things like that. So then, you know, when, when you do invite them and your pastor to a Cowboys game, then I will sit in the suite and you can be down there and you can be talking to your friends. But keep in mind that the folks... You know, this is a, a this is uh, God gives us His tools to use: word and sacrament, the love of neighbor. Um, let's remember that we are trying to we are trying to connect with people on a on a spiritual level, and sometimes that takes you know it takes a lot of work in regards to connecting to them with the side that Lewis says about play and talk and being in society. These things that the lifespan of it is like the life of a gnat. Um, we should consider those things. Okay, we can grow, uh, back to the screen, we can grow our church in these ways that appeal to our flesh, our mortal desires to belong, to have the envy of the world, to attract people to our church, but these are temporary things. These things will satiate people's desire to connect with the immortal for a while. But when those things we've worked so hard to build don't offer what people want anymore because they are by nature fleeting, and of a mortal taste, or they get bored, they will leave having never become actual Christians. In fact, you could argue we've done more harm than good. As the church of Christ, we must know the ways in which Christ grows his flock and the way in which he feeds his sheep. We as Christians ourselves must know where and how our shepherd feeds us, and we must consider that feed, no matter how silly it looks to our flesh, the greatest and most precious gift. We must desire the means of grace and speak of their wonder and reward. That is the way that our shepherd seeks lost sheep. Our shepherd has no desire to build our faith on mortal pleasures or mortal victories. Christ awakens dead sinners and calls rebellious children to die to their desires and pride and find life in the immortal, the risen Christ. 
St. Paul in Galatians 5, 17, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Part of Lewis's genius is that he points out that we must also be willing to enjoy the gifts of this life. We must play, he says, but our merriment must be of that kind. And it is, in fact, the merriest kind, which exists between people who have from the outset taken each other seriously. No flippancy, no superiority, no presumption. Lewis rightly orders our life in regards to life in the church. We must not sin against one another. And when we do, we must return to the very things that make us and keep us in the faith. Word, confession and absolution, and sacrament. These are the gifts that first awakened us from the death of unbelief. And they are that which keep us in the faith so that we may indeed play. Again, the Apostle Paul, are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? I encourage you to watch The Most Reluctant Convert. It's on Amazon Prime for a small fee. Watch the Narnia series. Additionally, I especially commend to you the works of Lewis. Read them, many of them. If one seems too academic, resort to another more storytelling book. You will be rewarded. But for the ultimate reward, read God's Word and be in church. The Holy Spirit is especially building you up and giving you wisdom and strengthening you by killing you with the law and restoring you with the sweet life-giving gospel. There is no better gift because the gift of forgiveness touches our immortal being and connects our flesh and blood to the joy of eternal life even now. You are not a mere mortal, but an immortal who because of the life and death of Jesus Christ will live with him in the flesh for eternity, not just with Christ, but with all believers." So uh, St. Paul, you know, had this challenge as well that, uh, you know, after he left various churches, uh, super teachers came in behind him, super apostles. And they came and they said, yeah, Paul taught you the gospel. He got you into the faith. But now, now, you know, you stay in the faith by the law. You have to do this to complete the work of the Spirit. You have to do this. You have to do that. And that's part of the reason with St. Paul's Galatians passage here. He says, look, the same way that God brought you into the faith is the same way in which he keeps you in the faith. He, he works by his Holy Spirit. And yes, we are to work together with that. We are, to, we are to, by the Holy Spirit, tell our sinful flesh, drag them along, right? Uh, drag them along and say, hey, uh, these, are the, these are the ways in which my Lord is feeding and sustaining me in the faith. Uh, let's, let's do this. Any thoughts or reflections? Anybody, does anybody have a favorite work of C.S. Lewis? Screwtape Screw tape letters. That was fun. Fantastic. Yeah, we did that in men's Bible study a couple times. Yeah. Yeah, was there a particular one? Yeah, it's great. Yeah, we um we actually uh, listened to it. Oh, yeah. um, I think it was one of the. I think we've done this a couple times in men's Bible study, and I can't remember if we've done it here in, in Sunday school, 
But one time we listened to a couple parts of it, and John Cleese, John Cleese narrates it. I, there is an audio, there is an audio recording of John Cleese narrating it. You know, and it sounds very intellectual because he has an English accent. You know, <laughs> but it's great because it's. I'm pretty sure it's John Cleese, uh, somebody who you wouldn't think uh, would do that, but. Uh, Indeed, he, he does it, and it's quite good. I think uh, from the screw tape letters, um, one of my favorite stories or pictures of it was he talks about, talks about you know, the devil, the demon is, is telling his subject, the Christian. He's telling him, hey, pay attention to what your neighbor's wearing. Look at those squeaky old boots he's wearing, right? What a, what a clod, you know, uh, and, and man, you know, th- take note of your neighbor. Right. Look at your neighbor. Um, any other, anybody else have any, any, uh, yes? We have actually a really interesting uh, space trilogy. Remember the one that mm. had um, Out of Style in China? It really is a good, a good exercise for your imagination. Great. A um, conversation on humanity and how they treat each other. Does he talk about the aliens that are, that we have, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Any others? Uh, the, as I mentioned in the new, in the newsletter too, you know, watch the movies. I mean, they're you know they're movies, but they're they're pretty good. It's it's pretty encouraging. Pretty good. Yeah, one of these free free classes that they put out. Yeah, yeah. How long do you did you do it recently? No, it's been a while. Been a while. Do you remember? Do you remember how long it took? No. No. Okay. A couple. Because I did it sporadically. I didn't yeah. Binge it. Didn't. Well, we can binge Netflix, right? Let's binge some C.S. Lewis. <laughs> there you go. Any other thoughts or uh, or contemplating uh, our subject our subject matter at hand? Those um, few Bible verses that I outlined there for you, um, those five there, um, you know, those would be good ones for you, of course, to, to memorize, to know, uh, as we say, by heart, uh, to remind you, you know, of God's mercy and His kindness, and that, you know, what does St. Paul say? Let he who boasts boast in the Lord and to remember that even our, our being brought into the faith it's the work of God and then as we consider you know others it's very easy for us to consider our own potential glory in the life to come but also to consider that of our neighbors that's why I started with that one that one quote of, of Lewis's uh, as we are you know contemplating our life in the church and as members of the church uh, and thinking of this wonderful and glorious task. Because, you know, if you think about it, that really is... I've heard people talk about, in relation to some of these horrible crimes that take place, 
is that a lot of people are just looking to feel something. Just looking to feel something real. Because our lives are flooded with, you know, trying to numb reality, whether it be, you know, the internet and various things that, you know, we can spend our time watching, just trying to escape reality, and pharmaceuticals, right? Um, A point for me that uh, was kind of meaningful is we were watching, we were in the movie theater, and we were watching um, the train, the 1517 to Paris. Have any of y'all seen that? It's a movie by Clint Eastwood. And you know, I think Clint Eastwood is a Lutheran. And he, because, and I'll tell you why. Because he's made an appearance in Lutheran satire. <laughs> a couple. Now you know it's true. No, I'll tell you why. Because in some of his movies, like in, uh, is it uh, Grand Torino? Do you remember the Lutheran, when he mentions the Lutherans in there? Yes. What does he say? I can't remember, but I can remember. Yeah. They got a laugh out of me. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Just sitting there watching this movie, and it's kind of a, kind of a serious moment. And he, brings, he mentions the Lutherans, and it's like, ah, he said Lutheran. <laughs> I heard it. I heard it. But in Gran Torino, in Gran Torino, that is, watching movies with me is kind of fun. Um, in the movie Gran Torino, uh, they're discussing, it's with this, this Asian kid that's on a street and they're talking about difficult life or whatever. And she mentions, I think, that she was brought over from a foreign country or her family was brought over, um, that the Lutherans, yeah, Mongs, and the Lutherans, did the Lutherans bring them over or something like that to America? And Clint Eastwood says, oh, the Lutherans. Everyone blames the Lutherans. <laughs> I should pull it up on YouTube. I could probably find it. Uh, we're sharing, you know, with a screen share. Um, and then also in Eastwood's, one of his more recent movies called The Mule. Has anybody seen The Mule? Where Clint Eastwood, he retires and he's this arborist with this, he's this world-renowned arbor, uh, flower. What is a flower person? Not a flower child, but... Yeah, like you, a florist, horticultural, what Stephanie does, you know. Uh, Everything she touches turns green. Um, Clint Eastwood, he spent his life with this, building this tremendous um, reputation. And he's getting to the age where he's too old and he has to retire and he has to sell everything. Um, And it's following him now that he can't be a flower person, horticulturalist, he he has to, he, he, he's like got all this time now and he doesn't know what to do. And he's got a friend whose bar is closing or a, a, a dance hall is closing and he wants to help them. So he, he's, you know, wants to give them money or whatever. And, and then he's like, well, I need a job now, I guess, to do some work. And he accidentally becomes a drug mule from, <laughs> by carting drugs, you know. Yeah, he's just this, he's this old, he's this old man, right? That's part of the charm of the movie. He's this old man, far older than any of y'all here. Uh, He's this old man and he kind of falls into this and he's like, oh, I'm delivering packages. Okay. And you're paying me how much to do it? Okay. And he does it. And so it's kind of the, it follows him that he's, the backstory is that culture has moved on so fast from all the things he's comfortable with. 
But then also part of the story is how he sacrificed his family's life because he had, has an ex-wife, he has kids that he hasn't seen. He sacrificed his family's life to get this great reputation as a flower man. And so the story now is that he doesn't have this anymore. He's trying to reconnect to his family. And so in discussion with his family, his daughter says, Dad, you missed my confirmation. You missed, you missed my, my, my wedding. You missed my graduation. You know, you missed my baptism. And then um, there's an occasion in the movie for them to be at a funeral. And the church that it's at is a Lutheran church. And uh, it's, it's just, to me, it's quite interesting how uh, Clint Eastwood, in his movies, there's this recurring theme of, of Lutheranism, which is great, right? Because that's what we need. We need, we, need, we need stars. We need popular people to be Lutheran, right? We want some respect. We're cool, too, right? And that's not what we are, that's not what we really need to be going after, right? Whether we're cool or not, whether we're accepted by the world, we need to stay truthful to our Lord. Whether we have movie stars endorsing us or cool YouTube channels, it's great. Those things are wonderful in getting the gospel out. But if, you know, and, and Pastor Feeney himself would say, look, the goal of this is not to get a laugh. The goal of this is to, is to teach the faith. And the goal of our life should be using what God gives us to, to help teach the faith and, and contemplate the faith, whether you're a flower person, <laughs> whether you can grow cu cucumbers or whatever, uh, in the various ways that God gives us through prayer and our vocations. So there, I gave you a couple movies to go watch, be on the lookout for Lutheranism, uh, and that'll make, you <laughs> that'll make you glad to be a Lutheran. <laughs> you know, in real life, he was actually really good at having children. Clint Eastwood is? Yeah. 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 It's his family? Oh, it is, I don't, yeah, I don't know much about him, his personal life. My, my cousin, who was in a couple of movies, he, uh, he worked with Clint Eastwood once or twice, and uh, he has high regard for him. Um, but, uh, yeah, so there you go. Good way, good way to end Sunday school. Any other thoughts or input or questions? Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, nice. And he wanted to know where our church was. Cool. Okay. And he got to talking about the fact that he is going to, uh, it's called the Park Something Church in McKinney. And he said, it's a church that you go to that is just to make you feel good. Mm. Okay. Mm. And he said, and I'm looking for something different. So we asked about our church and what faith we were and so forth. And then he, he got to talking about communion because he said, uh, I even went to a Catholic church, and he said, uh, they, they've got some strange things, you know. And uh, so anyway, he asked about communion, and I said, you know, that we had closed communion, mm -hmm. okay, and that uh, he would like to be uh, in fellowship with us. And he said, well, that's understandable. He said, if we're not part of the covenant, we shouldn't be going to communion. No. Which I no. found to be an interesting 
of your sponsor. Yeah. Um, I invited him to come, and he took Great. the magnet with him. Oh, cool. Fun. Very good. Yeah, you know, you can, you can tell him, yeah, come, come to Lutheran Church. Yeah. You know, we never feel good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll make you feel terrible. We'll make up for it with our potlucks. <laughs> All right, let's close with prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, rescuing us, for giving us new life, for awakening us from the dead, uh, for baptizing us into your family, washing us clean. We pray that we would, by your Holy Spirit, grasp and retain a wisdom that sees our neighbor as you see them, uh, as truly uh, those whom your Son has given his life for, uh, that they are not just flesh and blood, but indeed um, spiritual, eternal. We pray, O Lord, that we would, as a church, uh, live lives of sacrifice, not for reward, um, but as a testament to your goodness and mercy to us. Help us, O Lord, to remain faithful, both in word and deed. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.